RadioInfluence.com. He got him in the white trunks. He heard him. That's beautiful. Oh, God. That's beautiful. He's got it. And he forced the top. Wow. And it's all over. It's all over. First round knockout. He's out. Rich Franklin retains his belt. The one thing that I never thought in a million years would happen happened. The champion. The challenger. Here we go. This is the MMA Report with Jason Floyd on Radio Influence. Welcome into a new episode of the MMA Report podcast. I am Jason Floyd. It is Sunday, June the 12th, and this is the interview edition of the MMA Report podcast. I have got a trio of fire interviews come up here on this episode. You're going to hear the conversation that I had with Joe Selecki coming off that majority decision win there, UFC Vegas 56. Spoke to him about uh, you know a lot of things in uh, uh, relation to that matchup, the fact of his opponent, uh, you know, with with de- being deducted a point there in the second round with grabbing a glove and and also uh, curling his toes inside the fence, and uh, also talked about the influence of John Salter on him. John Salter and him have been together now for some time, and actually uh, tells a, a story about uh, you know kind of how him and John Salter uh, started this uh, you know this this bond they have, and of course uh, trained there at Salty Dog Jitsu there in North Carolina. Then you're going to hear my conversation with Brent Premis, who's back inside the Bellator cage here in the end of the month. Uh, two weeks from now, I'm going to take on Alexander Shelby. Big matchup in the 155-pound division. Uh, in that interview, Brent uh, does talk about that he was uh, a little uh, disappointed in this matchup. Uh, he was hoping to get the title matchup here, uh, but of course that did not happen. Then uh, mentioned that he was hoping to get somebody in the top five. That did not happen, so he gets this match up also a uh, good amount of conversation actually kind of turned into uh, his Michael Chandler fight um, and, and give you some interesting insight in terms of that one and then the final conversation you're going to hear is going to be with Mike Rodriguez who has his first fight since exiting the UFC he'll be a part of CES MMA 69 come up here on Friday night of course you can watch that live on UFC Fight Pass uh, I would say a good portion of the conversation was about uh, his decision to move his training to Jackson Wink uh, he had noted in another interview that uh, pretty much uh, he was kind of retired he, that he didn't think he was going to fight again but uh, he uh, back at you know, how he re- talked about the fact of how a, a seminar in Boston ultimately led him to join Jackson Wink, actually living out in the dorms there in Jackson Week. So all those interviews come up here on this edition of the MMA Report Podcast. Of course, a great way to show your support for this show, rating, review, no matter what podcasting platform you may be listening to this on. Of course, as always, appreciate everyone that takes time out of your day to download and listen to this episode. Of course, last night was UFC 275. I actually got to kind of go back and, and watch a majority of this fight card as uh, I was out and about. I was watching the, the lightning game and uh, then uh, ended up uh, getting to a place that was showing the, the pay-per-view and literally as I walked in was uh, the moment that uh, Wei Lee knocked out Ioana and of course uh, now that sets up Wei Lee getting Carlos Esparza which you got to imagine I mean she's probably going to be a massive favorite in terms of that one, which you know would seem like just a very bad matchup for Carlos Spars, especially if she can't get the matchup to the ground. And of course, Yolanda uh, deciding that uh, this is going to be it for her retiring. And uh, you know, I was actually thinking about this on Friday, as you know, you're, you're thinking about Yolanda and 
kind of this run that she has been on, you know, and obviously she was, you know, one of the most dominating champions we had seen. And it just kind of made me think about just kind of the, how we see the rise and falls of fighters in mixed martial arts. I mean, you know, you can go down the line. I mean, the one thing, I, the first person that came to my mind, actually there's two people that really come to my mind on the men's side of the game, Chuck Liddell. You think of where Chuck was and in his prime and, and just everything he went out there did. And then, of course, you know, he loses about the Rampage Jackson and then it just kind of just all goes downhill for him. And you look at Ioana, you know, how it's just gone downhill for her, you know, since she lost that title to Rose Namunis and, and all the, you know, the losses that she's had here of course you think about ronda rousey the fall that she had you know obviously the the domination she had as champion and then of course gets knocked out by holly home and then uh you know takes time off comes back and, and gets knocked out very quickly by man noon you just kind of think about uh you know and you want and, and wish her well you know you know me i don't believe uh, that r word in mma but uh we'll, we'll see whether or not but uh whether or not she does come back i think it's kind of a a rarity you see uh, fighters truly uh, go out there and uh, and stick to retirement in MMA. But, you know, she kind of talked about uh, moving on to the next chapter uh, in her life. And, of course, uh, the co-main event, Valentin Shevchenko was taking on Thalia Santos. I'll tell you. Uh, so the place I was at, I was kind of just standing there. And uh, I, I had to be standing next to the biggest Thalia Santos fan there had to be in Tampa, Florida. And, and by the way, I'll say this, man. I did notice, at least here in Tampa, it seems like uh, less and less bars are showing UFC pay-per-view events. Someone who's in the industry, uh, there, there's some aspects of, of a reason. I know why that is. But uh, yeah, it's uh, but it was it was cool. You know, there was a good a good crowd there watching the fights. But yeah, this guy was standing next to him. he was clearly the biggest uh, Thalia Santos fan. And and I think you talk about uh, you know obviously people are gonna you know talk about that the the scorecards. Uh, you know, I did you know watching it live. I I did give a slight edge to Valentina Shevchenko. But I'll be honest, with you, I got I gotta go back and watch that fight again. Of course, myself and Daniel will have a show on Thursday of this week as I'm taking a couple of days off. But we'll have a uh, show on Thursday. Give me a little more chance to go back and watch that fight. But I think you, you talk about the heart and will of a champion. I think that's what you saw there uh, for Valentin Shevchenko. And I mean, look, I you know I would have no problems if the UFC said, you know, hey, let's let's go ahead and and book the rematch, uh, a meet rematch. I would have no problem if the UFC did that. And then of course the main event, man, what what a great main event between Glover Teixeira and Yuri Prohaska. Glover Teixeira basically twenty eight seconds away from retaining the UFC light heavyweight title, but man, Yuri Prohaska, who would have thought Yuri would go out there and win via submission it was plus 1600 right the fights over I go over to best fight odds see what that submission prop was yeah plus 1600 and uh you know Yuri showed me a lot in this matchup I, I think of how he was able to defend uh, a lot of those take the, those submission attempts from Glover Teixeira was uh pretty amazing to me and I think we saw the overall game I know Yuri kind of talked about a little bit of disappointing in his performance, but man, uh, absolutely amazing matchup between those two guys. I'll tell you the, the place I was at, everyone was absolutely loving that main event. And uh, man, congratulations to Yuri Prohaska, what he was able to go out there and do uh, with that one. Also, you know, you look at some of the, the other things that happened 
at UFC 275. I think you got to give some uh, kudos to Jake Matthews. I think when we talk about you know the you know the most notable things that happened on this fight card, that one uh, in, in terms of uh, the second fight on the pay per view, getting a knockout there uh, in the second round. Jack Della Maddalena, uh, you know, I spoke about that on the on the Awesome Show this week. Man, that, that's a guy you got to really pay attention to. By the way, speaking of a show with Awesome on yesterday when I was doing the show with Pete, he had said to me, he's like, we were talking about you know Wade. Lee and Joanna, and we were both kind of on, on different sides on that one. I thought Wei Lee would win by decision. He thought Joanna would, would win by decision. And he said to me, he goes, if there's a stoppage in this fight, who do you think it's more likely on? And I thought the, it was more likely that Joanna would be able to go out there and, and pull off that submission. But yeah, she she did not go out there and do that. Uh, also, uh, you know, uh, Suarez, man, that knockout that she had in the second fight of the night, uh, that, that one, uh, man, what, what a knockout that was. Kudos to her getting her first UFC win out there. Of course, uh, on the TV prelims, three of the four fights do go to a decision. But uh, Mahashate gets a knockout against against Steve Garcia, one minute and 14 seconds. And, you know, that was a fight that heading into it, I, I said this over awesome. Uh, it just felt like one of those fights where while Steve Garcia was the betting favorite in one, it kind of felt like it was one of those fights that was uh, kind of a, a setup to potentially put Mahashate in the best position to go out there and win, of course, fighting over there. In Singapore, of course, uh, fight night bonuses. Yuri Pahashka, Glover Share, they get the fight of the night. The performances of the night go to Wei Lee, Matthews, Madalena, Mashate. And Juarez, and then uh, the Crypto.com bonuses. Uh, first place, Valentina Shevchenko. Second place, Yuri Prohashka. And third place, uh, Zhang Wali. And I saw someone kind of note this. So I'm, I'm not in the crypto. I'm, I'm not, not clearly the right person to talk about this. But I guess apparently crypto has gone down a little bit. And that crypto bonus that uh, Rose Namunes got uh, last month, they were saying how it's already lost like $7,000 in value. It's like, wow, that's that's crazy. I, I, I know a lot of people that are in the crypto, but just uh, that's just something that I have really not got into. But, uh, you know, definitely over the next couple of days, we go back and, and watch all this fight card. But uh, it was cool to be out. And, and you know, I always uh, love going out to a sports bar, watching uh, the fights and, and seeing how people react to the fights. And had a nice little crowd sitting in the bar that, that was watching the fight. So I, I really did enjoy that. I mean, that main event, and, man, absolutely delivered. I mean, and I think that's the thing you have to say about UFC 275 is a card that absolutely delivered. And, and look, a, 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 as fight customers that's all we can ask for you know whether you know you, you fork over the money to watch it on, on the espn plus app whether you're at home or like you, you were like me you went out to a bar to watch it uh really did uh i mean that's all we can ask for and these fights absolutely delivered. but let's uh get into the interview edition of the show of course uh up first you're gonna hear the conversation that i had with joe selecki who is coming off a majority decision win there ufc vegas 56 Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man who's coming off a majority decision victory, UFC Vegas 56, Joe. Appreciate the time. I noticed the beard is still there, so because if anyone watched your post-fight interview, you talked about this, and because uh, you people were asking you the question, you know, you may have said, hey, as long as my wife wants me to keep it, it's staying, so uh, I guess uh, the wife is still on board for the beard? Yeah, yeah, she, her decision, she's like, yeah, she. I think she posted on Facebook that day, she shared my post-fight uh, like media row thing and was like FYI he is uh, he is keeping the beard so I guess that's how it's gonna go which is fine it's summer whatever I, I've been baby faced my whole life so 
And maybe it could be the opposite way for a couple of years now. I can't grow that. I, I I can get the stubble. My wife she she does she doesn't care for the stubble, but yeah, I, I couldn't grow that. I just just can't. I, I could probably not shave for a month and probably still couldn't do that. That's, uh, that's how it started out for me, and then she's like, she made me have persistence. And I was like, no, just let let's see where it goes. I'm like, all right, like I don't know if she watched Yellowstone. I don't know what it was, but she just insisted, and then now here we are. So whatever. <laughs> and I mentioned uh, about the the victory you had there. Uh, you uh, you wrote this on Instagram. A blue collar day of work last weekend, a complete grind. I guess grind uh, probably is a, is a great way to kind of describe it. Um, I, I talked about it uh, after the fight was over. I thought the referee did a tremendous job in the second round of taking the point, but also not stopping the action where you obviously were in a great position. I mean, um, when, when all that's going on and, and there's, you know, the, the, he continues to curl his toes in the cage. He, he's, you know, going inside your glove. Like what's the mindset at that moment? Um, you know, honestly, the, the biggest thing going into the fight for me, and I, and I knew this all of camp and, and it's something that I realized was a problem for me for a long, long time that I, I had never addressed. And this is actually, you know, addressing it through like my, my face and just looking at my life as a whole, you know, is saying like, I'm super prone to like getting caught up like that. I'm definitely prone to like getting in my own head and either, either outwardly putting out anger or imploding and then it affecting my performance, whether it be in sparring or in the gym where like, I'm not the guy I've had a few incidents, like probably any pro fighter has, but I'm not the guy that's going like to run you out of my gym or something like that. I'm not saying that, but where, you know, I, I let things outside myself just, stew and get crazy and the biggest thing that i was like you know focusing on praying on going into the fight was just the, the word was you know is the biblical term sober minded and and to me you know working with my coaches we called it the present tense a lot you know so really just accepting things for how they were going to be and you know trying to to you know display grace throughout the entire night whatever it was going to entail i didn't picture him like purposely breaking rules or anything when i thought about the fight <laughs> like that but i thought you know what i was picturing was you know, getting knocked down or getting rocked or, you know, bad judging, whatever it may be. And just trying to have grace in all the circumstances, which I think is also why I looked so nonchalant before the, uh, the decision. It was just going to accept the fact that win, lose or draw, this is God's plan for my life. And I worked as hard as I could. Did I fight as hard as I can? If yes, I can live with the outcome, you know, but getting on to the actual rule breaking. Um, yeah, that was the biggest thing was just knowing that these things were going to be tempting me to get out of myself and, you know, I, I can't fall into that. And, and was it tough? Yeah, sure. But um, being prepared for that, all week we saw these things being like things that are trying to get me outside of myself. And that's what fight week is. It's obstacles for every fighter. And, uh, you know, I had an awesome week and I felt like I combated those things, you know, by the grace of God very well. But like in talking to a friend of mine, you know, who, who helped me a lot with my faith, all, you know, we're friends too. We train together as well. We were FaceTiming on Friday. He's like, oh, it's great. You've had a great week. I said, well, don't worry. There's going to be plenty of tests tomorrow, you know, and, and that's all it is. It's, um, it's just trying to stay in the moment, stay sober-minded, and, and you know, not do the things that my own body and mind wants me to do, which is, you know, I'm from New Jersey. I got a temper. Of course, it wants me to lash out and, you know, get upset, and but uh, instead show a little bit of grace, and uh, that's what I was trying to do, you know, and ultimately, I do think that's what served me in the performance was because I never had the adrenaline dump of, oh, I almost finished, and then he grabbed my glove or the fence or, or whatever it was, you know, so... Um, yeah, I really don't have, I don't know if that answers your question, but I think it kind of does. Yeah, I, I, I was, after, after the fight ended, and I think, obviously, you, you've been in the sport a long time. I've been around the sport a long time. And anytime there is a delay 
in the scorecards coming into the cage, whoever the cage announcer is, you're like, okay, because we already knew we had a point deduction. I'm like, and I just felt like, oh, we got a 29-27 score coming. <laughs> were, were you, or was your mindset at that point of, okay, I know there's a point deduction, first round, could have gone either way. We know, you know, second round, then, of course, the third round. I mean, like, are you thinking, like, hey, 29-27 is probably going to be the scorecard that, that wins me this fight? I really, honestly, uh, I felt good about the work. Uh, my coaches felt good about when they came in the, in the uh, cage. But like you said, whenever there's that time, there's a scene, uh, it's the end scene in Cinderella Man, which you haven't seen, it's a great movie. Um, but it takes a little while, and it's pretty clear he won, and uh, Paul Giamatti plays uh, Joe Gold, the manager, and the first thing he says is like, they're taking this long to get the source score, someone's getting screwed, you know? Um, so when you said that, it's what made me think of. But I really didn't have, I, I, in the fight, I had thought about it like in the third, was like, okay, we're going to be cautiously aggressive, you know? Uh, I don't know how cautious I was, but like when I was laying on my back and things like that, I was like, maybe I don't have to fight that hard to get up because I don't need to risk getting finished because he did lose a point. And from what, you know, the corner and everything else, it seemed like it was a 10-8 round before that. And I've had that fight before where I actually had won the first round this fight and there was no foul, but would have kept the scoring the same, where I had a 10-9 first round, a 10-8 second, and came out too hot in the third in my Nicholas Moda fight uh, pre-UFC a, a while before that. And I got finished uh, just from coming out of my managing energy, being reckless and and young, you know? So that definitely played in my head uh, going into the third as well. It was like, you know, be cautiously aggressive. And uh, I figured if I did that and I fought, you know, how I thought I could be proud of, which was how I thought at the end of it, then, you know, the rest was going to be the rest. But it did dawn on me when my hands were on the cage at the end, just waiting for the scores and all that. Uh, I was like, oh, man, there's a good chance this could be a draw if they don't score two for me like that. And uh, then I thought about, like, the, you know, the, you know, job security and financial, you know, uh, impacts of that, which would stink, especially based on, you know, uh, blatant cheating, you know, which I don't want to be that guy that cried cheating. It's not how I ever would be. If I lost, I can promise you, uh, you know, I have lost for guys who grabbed my glove before. You wouldn't hear about it. I'm not going to talk about it. But I won, so I do feel okay saying, I do think I would have finished them without those. You know, it was almost upwards of double digits in my glove and the fence. And uh, both those things are, you know, a huge impact. Yeah, I mean, there was, uh, I don't, you were probably warming up when this fight was going on. Uh, Michaelidis must have grabbed the fence nine times. And, and I'm sitting there going, like, okay, are we going to just take a point where we just like, keep telling him not to, not to grab the fence? Like, is that, like, in a fight, is that more of a, is it a frustrating thing? When, when you know, obviously, I mean, look, everyone's going to try to take advantage until that, that referee actually, you know, deducts a point. But, like, from, is it is it more frustrating than anything else? Yeah, I think it is. You know, it's, uh, especially because this sport is, there's so many variables, you know. There's a chance that that could have cost me $50,000. You know, if I come back from getting dropped in the first 15 seconds and choke him out early in the second, maybe maybe that robbed us both at 50 because That might be a back yeah. and forth. You go, wow, well, you don't know. So uh, he might have done the service to, to me or to himself. But there's so many things that are frustrating about it because you just never know. But, again, I've got to take solace in the fact that God's got a plan for my life. And maybe if I go out and finish in the second round, I get thrown into something I'm not ready for or not healthy enough for or a picture. I don't know. You know, and I'm sure years from now I'll probably see why it played out the way it did. But in the moment, it, it is so tough not to – to get frustrated in that because, you know, I'm out there trying to, trying to fight for my family and just, you know, do right by them. I know he's doing the same. He was in survival mode. I'm on his back and, 
you know, clearly now we know because he was, has been released that he was fighting for his career too. So I get it, but we've got to, we've got to have somewhere to draw the line of, yeah, you're a warrior, you know, but there's that fine line between now you're just blatantly cheating, you know? So, uh, you know, it's got to be somewhere. And I, I know there's smarter people than me tackling the issue, but we're not seeing anything implemented. So that, that is frustrating. Yeah. I mean, I just think as a, as much as just as a consumer of martial arts, I think when I see that, I'm like, I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> like, it's like they always say, the first warning is in the back when, when the referee comes in and talks to you. It's just one of those things. It's like, oh, man, if you don't take the point, he's just going to keep doing it. Uh, you know, I mentioned about the Instagram post. There was another one you had where it was a picture of you and your coaches. And part of the Instagram post was about John Salter and, and how he has been, uh, you know, uh, the, the voice of reason with, with his experience and knowledge in this game. Uh, you know, do you remember like when you first met John and, and how quickly did you kind of realize like, Hey man, this is the right guy to be in my corner. Yeah. So my first introduction to John, we were laughing cause I almost told this story in Vegas while I was doing like my media day wasn't press row. It was like uh, talking about the contender series, like almost like a recap of that. And they asked me to talk about any, almost some of my favorite UFCs and they're sitting there behind the camera looking at me. And I go, my favorite UFC is 118. And he looks up because so I went to that fight. Uh, it was my 17th birthday. We went to Grappler's Quest in Boston. It was a close enough ride to Jersey. So we went into the tournament. And then uh, I ended up talking about the James Tony Rank tour fight. But uh, John fought that night. And I was actively, yes, I was a huge Miller Brothers fan, no doubt. But it was like double that because this like muscled up wrestler, bald head from Alabama. I'm like, Okay, I'm not rooting for somebody from the South. Not rooting for a wrestler that always beats me in jiu-jitsu tournaments. You got muscles. I'm the skinny kid. Like, I just, you're everything I don't like, you know? And uh, then, you know, uh, fast forward to 2017, he taught a seminar at our gym. And the same way, I've just got a way of being foot and mouth, you know? Uh, I didn't want to go to the seminar because I'm thinking this is some wrestler that I saw, you know, years ago. And I hadn't followed his career because I was just ignorant to it. And, uh like jujitsu seminar from a wrestler. He's like, oh, he like a blue belt or something. And he came and uh, I had to take the seminar because Mike Kelly, the owner at the gym, I still train at Fitness Edge MMA, but I was full time there. Uh, you know, made it so the team, you know, it was free for us to go, but kind of wanted us to go. And I was like, man, I'm supposed to work on my boxing on Saturdays. I don't want to do this. And he taught an awesome jujitsu seminar. I was like, man, I haven't learned jujitsu like that in all the years I've been down here. Like, oh, where's Wilmington? It was an hour and a half. And then it became, I'll go down and visit. And then I visited and then I went back and then it was two times a week. Then it was, you know, my boss is letting me leave work early at the time. And within that was, uh, October, 2017. And by March we had gotten married and found out we had been, we were moving the next month. So within like four months, it was, uh, but it wasn't just the training, you know, there, I could have upped my life and went anywhere for good training. You know, there's not that we don't have a special thing going here. We definitely do. But, uh, it was him, you know, it's a, it's the quality of character and the maturity, you know, I could go to a super camp and, you know, be around other great bodies, but we have great bodies here. It's, it's the maturity and also the similarities, you know, um, we have a lot of the same beliefs, but also he's, you know, significantly older than me in the sense of all the things we went through, like struggling before the UFC, um, not wanting to be thrown to the wolves too soon, all those things where as the fighter, I'm going to want to, you know, push, push, push and rush. He's been there, done that, and has been, um, you know, a really big, you know, voice of reason and and mentor to me, you know, aside from being a great friend. Um, and I think that was huge also for our family because, um, you know, his wife had gone on this ride with him already too. You know, he had been to the UFC, been out, gotten back to Bellator, started that climb, you know, just from every single department to like, 
you know, suggestions of what to do with your, your win bonuses or whatever it might be, you know, but I do think, um, that, that was a huge thing. And that was one of the things where I looked at Casey and I was like, Hey, when we we're going to move here and I think this will play off my career. I don't know, but I do know we'll be better people as a result of being around these people. And, uh, that has been true through and through. And now like our kids are the same age, they get to hang out and you know, they're going to grow up together. And it's really, really cool. What he's built here at salty dog that I like to think I'm a small part of is uh, like a family atmosphere and the gym's just growing. And, uh, it, it, it was awesome, you know, and, and that post captured a little bit of it, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's been a huge, huge help, uh, to my whole career in my life is being, uh, you know, friends and teammates and a student of John's. You mentioned about, uh, after if I was over, you're like, Hey man, I'm, I'm a little banged up, but, uh, Monday night I'll be teaching class. So were we teaching class on Monday night? We were, yes. <laughs> there was only one incident where I roll, I was trying to show Kimura and you had to roll and I rolled. I, I, I always get ahead of myself. I only planned to do the one motion. I was like, guys, if they roll again, like I kind of nudge my, my training partner that I was showing him, I'm like, take a roll. And the second roll, I just crushed my rib. I was like, oh, you're so stupid. But uh, yeah, we got in there. And then I, I've been in the gym in some capacity pretty much every day. Uh, I did some lifting and uh, some bag work and stuff. And then I'm actually in the parking lot to go get some imaging done here just to be cleared so I can be completely okay to, you know, say yes to whatever comes down the, down the, down my way here soon. So uh, we should be back to full swing on Monday. So I'm really excited. I know you, you mentioned about uh, you're maybe kind of looking October-ish. Is that still, I mean, obviously we'll see how the scan comes out for you, but is that still kind of the, the thought process in your mind of when you'd like to get back in there? Yeah, I think that'd be perfect. You know, I think that's plenty to where I can stay active and stay competing and keep momentum and all those good things. Um, I don't want to go on these, you know, nine month paternity leaves between fights, but uh, you know, it, it, whatever they'll have me would be awesome. I think signing a contract sometime in August sounds great. Cause that gives me time you know, I'm not a big downtime guy, so I'll just be working on, you know, the obvious holes from the last fight and the not so obvious. And then, uh, you know, coming back better, it gives me time to be better, but also, you know, uh, you know, come back, uh, pretty soon still. So that, and then, uh, I just got the contract in my email actually when I got here, here, uh, to do the fight pass invitation. So I'm going to grapple on, uh, on James Krause's team. So I'm excited for that too. So I'll be staying active in some way, shape or form all throughout it. And one thing, uh, I heard this, uh, John Morgan started with his podcast. So I guess part of the deal when you do those, that the one stipulation from the UFC is no heel hooks. Yeah. I love that. I think, I mean, I like the heel hook. Don't get me wrong, but, uh, I wish, I wish every tournament, I wish I went out to the ADCC trials. I could be like, Hey, contract a <laughs> UFC fighter, no heel hooks. That'd make my job a lot easier. Cause you're talking about a very level playing field after that, you know? That's the knockout punch of, uh, that would be like going in a UFC fight and saying no knockouts, you know, eight, uh, standing eight count. You'd be like, I'm way less nervous for this. So, uh, yeah, that is in the clause, I believe. And uh, it makes it a lot more fun. You're like, I don't have to worry about getting my knee blown out. It, 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 I was talking to another fighter about this, and, and we were talking about mindset. How different is your mindset when you're going into a grappling competition as opposed to walking inside the UFC octagon for a fight? Yeah, it's different. Uh, you know, it used to be for a grappling match, it was how I am with fighting. Like, I mean, I'd be sick weeks ahead of time and if it pops in my head and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, now it, it's, I've been to the other side of the mountain. So you're like, oh, okay. Like I still treat the like, competition as competition for me. Like I'm going to treat it with the utmost reverence and importance because, uh, you know, ultimately every time I compete in anything it, within combat sports, my livelihood is on the line and a reputation for anything going forward, you know? Um, and I'm just in my nature to be super competitive, but that kicks in like 10 minutes before, you know, it, yeah. it, it makes, it makes it a fun thing to go do. And we went did the ADCC trials. When I went to the Cerrone match, like it was really fun, 
especially going to the apex for the the last fight past one, it was like making that we had to do a couple mock like walkouts to, for production. And I'm like, dude, how awesome is this? I'm walking out here. I get to get a little, you know, cheap, quick adrenaline rush and, uh, no, my, my job is not on the line tonight. Like, this is pretty cool. You know, it, it, it feeds the martial artist side of me. Cause there's two sides to all of us. Like I'm a martial artist from six and I'll be one till I die. But for right now, I also am part prize fighter, you know? So, um, it's great to be able to go back and feed the martial artist side. It's like, I want to have these experiences where I'm learning, getting better, testing myself and trying to win, not just going, I got to win anyway, necessary, boring, not boring tooth and nail, you know, uh, well, I still do feel like that in the match. It's not that pressure, you know, so uh, it's it's night and day. And I think you can see it when you go to these cards, like the Fury grappling one. Uh, it was all UFC fighters, so it was super jovial until the competition time. And then afterward, it was too. Yeah, uh, we'll leave on this one. If uh, it would there be a bucket list grappling match you would love to get before you, you call this this journey uh, a day? Oh, man, that's that's a great, great question. Um, I mean... If I'm thinking MMA guys, then I guess you got to go with like an Oliveira, you know, because uh, he's great in MMA jiu-jitsu, but without the chaos, I don't know if he would be as good. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't know because it's always in the midst of a scramble on the fence or, you know, he's getting dropped or he's dropping someone or there's chaos, you know. We've never seen him like, you know, we know Benil Darius can go out, stalk somebody, put them on their butt, pass guard, mount, submit. You know, we don't really see that with Oliveira. Um, and we've seen him be submitted. So that would be fun. I think that'd be exciting. Um, looking from an MMA perspective, from jiu-jitsu, I don't, he's one of the best grapplers on the planet, but I went against Gary Tonin years and years and years ago, and it was fun and it was competitive for until it wasn't, that it was completely outclassed in the leg lock department. It would be fun to go back again, knowing now, like, okay, I'm, you know, approaching my athletic prime. I'm a black belt for years and years and years, and I'm fighting high-level UFC fighters. Like, I'd like to do it again with no room for, like, oh, I was a young brown belt and still coming into my, you know. There was no excuse back then, but he was still ahead of me in experience and everything. And uh, it would be fun to test myself in that. and be. I don't think that ever happened because he's such a big name in our community in jiu-jitsu. But uh, it would be fun to test that and be like, let's see now, like, I got a little more horsepower behind me. I'm a, I'm kind of a grown man and, uh, you know, a lot more experience too. So it would be fun. I think those two would be like from, uh, you know, from jiu-jitsu and MMA perspective. That's awesome. Joe, man, as always, I appreciate you coming on the show. Of course, uh, let me know they can follow you on social media. And of course, anything else you want to mention, man? Yeah. Uh, just at Joe Selecki on, uh, Instagram, Twitter, which I don't usually use, but I used, uh, yesterday I went on that between the links with, uh, Mike Heck and that was fun. So they get a chance to check that out also. Um, I appreciate you having me on. And then if everybody would check out all in grappling, we're starting a grappling promotion here, uh, in Wilmington, I'm going to be running it. And, uh, this is, you know, aside from fighting and teaching, like this is one of the things I'm really passionate about is jujitsu competition. We were just talking about it. I mean, I came up in that since I'm six. So I've seen a lot of the do's and a lot of the don'ts and have like a good team behind me of like guys I can consult that own schools all over the country and go to tournaments. And what do you think rules wise? What do you think, you know, how many divisions? And so we're trying to really make it the best of the best to, to make it a good experience. But my whole goal with the, the earlier daytime event is just for people to be able to get experience and not break the bank to do so, you know, gas prices are through the roof. So if they're going to drive from, you know, a state away or a couple hours away, I'd like them to have an affordable tournament with, uh, you know, and get as many matches as possible would be really cool. Um, and then in the evening or later afternoon, going to do like super fights because on the flip side of that, 
I remember being, you know, a blue purple belt and like, I can't fight MMA. I'm still in high school or college or whatever, but I'd love that rush of, you know, all eyes on you walkout song, the whole nine, you know, uh, good quality videos to be able to watch it back or stream it to your friends and family. So that's our whole goal with that. We're looking at, um, a couple of dates, but I think it's going to be August 20th here in Wilmington, but I should have that in the next day or two. Uh, everybody would check that out. And that's pretty much it. Thanks to my coaches. I already made, you know, a long post and talked about it in the post fight interview, but, uh, I would not be here without those guys or my wife and my daughter. So, uh, that's pretty much it. And I just appreciate, of course, you giving me the time. And that was my conversation with Joe Selecki. I appreciate him coming on the show to talk about his win there, majority decision win there uh, at UFC Vegas 56 and, you know, talking about the, the point deduction there and uh, talk about, you know, the his opponent, you know, going inside of his glove, of course, curling the toes. And I spoke about this last week on, on, on last Sunday's episode where I said I thought Chris Tyone did a tremendous job in that matchup of how he took the point and the fact of uh, he didn't stop the action, let Joe Selecki keep on working there. And, uh, of course, Joe Selecki there here at the end of the, the interview talking about how he is uh, starting up his own submission grappling. So uh, something to look forward to uh, with Joe Selecki. And then, of course, uh, talk about the influence that John Salter has had on him, uh, of course, training there uh, at Salty Dog Jiu-Jitsu. Let's move on to the next interview. That's going to be with Brent Premis, the former Bellator lightweight champion. He's back inside the Bellator cage, coming up here in two weeks from now. Bellator 282. Yeah, 282. As he'll be taking on Alexander Shabby. That's going to be a part of the preliminary card. Big matchup at 155 pounds. So here's my conversation with Brent Premis. Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man we're going to see back inside the Bellator cage, June 24th. Brent Premis. Brent, as always, man, uh, appreciate the time. Uh, I was going through your Instagram, and, and there was a post you had that, that stuck out to me where you said, I told myself driving home after sparring, you don't need to do sprints tonight. You sparred hard today and all week. Then I saw this post, no matter how bad sprints might hurt or sparring, road work, or wherever it is, nothing hurts more than losing and thinking, I wish I would have done more. The best thing is knowing you did everything possible to prepare for battle, which kind of made me think about, like, do you think about, like, when you, you know, you're going through a hard day, whether, you know, you're there at, at ATT Portland or you're down at Team Oyama, do you kind of think about, like, oh, man, my opponent's probably busting his tail, so I got to bust my tail, too? No, oh, exactly. I think that all the time, sometimes... I'll be at home at like midnight, about go to bed and, and then I'll uh, see something about my opponent or something, you know, and I'll be like, oh man, I got to work out right now. I got to do something. And I'm definitely kind of a head case. And, you know, everybody says that I overtrain, which may be, but uh, I'd rather overtrain than undertrain. <laughs> I'm kind of crazy, man. I'm, I'm literally training three, four times a day. Do you ever kind of, does your coaches have to sometimes say, hey, Brent, man, um, you want to take about six hours off today? Oh yeah. My coach Fabiano is like, Brent, you're done. Don't do nothing. When you go back home, I'm like, okay, I won't. And then I go back home and do a shark tank or do something, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's a crazy thing, you know, like, you know, training and then knowing that there's somebody out there training to knock you out in front of thousands of people and national television. It's a, uh, it's a crazy thing, you know? So for me, like, like I said, I was, I, I don't want to walk in that cage ever thinking, I wish I could have done more. You know, I, I want to, I, I want to train my butt off and, and know that I've done everything possible that I could have. Like the two words that kind of come my, my thought when you say that is like, I think a workaholic, which I'm, I'm definitely in that category and B you're just obsessed with this game. Would, would, oh, that's yeah, how you would sure. describe it. A hundred percent. I'm obsessed with it. I literally think when I sign a contract, it's, 
pretty much what I think about every single minute of the day until we're fighting. It's, uh, my wife says I'm crazy. And, and, you know, I, I get up in the morning and I do a, a 1200 crunches and I do 500 pull-ups and I go, go to conditioning for an hour and it's, it's hell. And then I go drive two hours to Portland and train there for a couple hours. And I drive straight back to Eugene to performance martial arts and train for a couple hours. And then I, I go home and I do another workout and sometimes that'll get done working out until like 1am. And, um, it's, it's, it's tough for sure. But, uh, I'm, uh, man, it's also a, a crazy thing fighting in front of, uh, you know, uh, in front of all your family and friends and national television. It, it's crazy, man. Uh, and uh, I just can't turn my head off and I just, training my butt off <laughs> here. You talk about all the driving you do. So like how many miles a week do you put in your car? Holy crap, man. It's, I was spending almost 1300 bucks a month on gas and, uh, I put 50,000 miles on our, our, we just bought a, a, a RAV last year and I put 50,000 miles on it in uh, less than a year. And, uh, so my wife made me buy a, a cheap Prius. I just bought a Prius. I never thought I'd be driving a Prius but I'm driving a Prius right now, man. And, and it, it is saving me so much money in gas. And, and, uh, I, I love the Prius now, you know, it's awesome. It's all quiet. Just push start. And yeah, I mean, it's like 17 bucks to drive to Portland and back. It's, it's, it's great. <laughs> yeah. I can't see myself. I, I couldn't see myself driving a Prius and I couldn't see myself driving a minivan. That'd be like the two things. I just couldn't see myself doing it. Hey, I told myself I never drive a Prius, man, but after you spend thirteen hundred dollars a month on on gas and you're you're putting so many miles on your other cars and and I, I found a, a Prius for like forty five hundred bucks and uh, it's gonna pay for itself very soon and and I kind of made to my wife after I win the belt I'm gonna buy like a, a Tesla so after I win that belt man I'm gonna be driving a Tesla just mobbing around everywhere so. Dude, you know the so crazy like, thing is, talking about Tesla. I was, I was out with a buddy last night, and we were we were talking. We were talking about gas prices because you know, because I had a buddy who who lives in L.A. and he paid like a hundred dollars to get gas for his Honda Civic, and yeah. uh, and and we were talking about Tesla. He's like, bro, he goes, like if you go order one now, it may take six to nine months for you to even get it. That's what my wife is telling me too. Actually, yeah, she's. And it's crazy because I'm driving up to Portland almost every single day, and I pass like ten. Uh, semis just full of Teslas driving up to Portland. I'm like, man, it seems like it wouldn't be hard to get because, man, literally they're just they're mobbing up to Portland in uh, by the thousands. It seems like every week, you know. I, I, yeah, I heard it's I heard there's a long waiting list for them right now. <laughs> yeah, no, they are not cheap either. <laughs> they are not, yeah, cheap. not, cheap. not um, cheap. You know, I noticed uh, a lot of your Instagram posts have been about you being there, ATT Portland. Of course, we we've talked about you know how you've you split time between there. Uh, and down in, in California, team uh, Oyama. How how much of a camp are you doing in Portland as opposed to uh, with Oyama? Man, pretty much my whole camp has been Amer at American Top Team Portland. This 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 camp. Um, unfortunately, you know, I, I mean, I love uh, Team Oyama and I love Coach, but just everything is expensive right now in California. The plane tickets to get to California are expensive. Uh, the gas there is expensive. Like everything is expensive and. So I've pretty much done like my main camp at um, American Top Team in Portland, you know. But um, yeah, Coach Oyama, I talk to Coach a lot. He he sends me things to work on, things to do, and I send him videos of how of me training and and stuff like that. And uh, of course, he's going to be there cornering me and 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 everything. But yeah, man, just like with the inflation of everything, it's kind of been a pain in the butt, like traveling and not only that, just the plane tickets 
to Connecticut, man. I had to buy a couple of my uh, cornermen plane tickets there and yeah, it's it, it's not cheap right now. Yeah, that's, that's the side of I think a mixed martial arts that maybe a lot of fans don't think about here. But uh, obviously, this matchup against Alexander it's it's a huge matchup for both of you guys. I mean, is your viewpoint of this like you feel like you are fighting for a title shot? Yeah, for sure, hundred percent. You know, like I after I beat Benson Henderson. Scott Coker said in an interview, yeah, Brent's going to fight for the title next. And, and me and my coaches thought that that was going to happen. And, and immediately I flew to California and started working with the uh, coach, uh, Colin, uh, Timo Yama. And we thought we were going to be fighting for tricky. And I was training for five rounds. And, and, and then we, I, we read on like MMA junkie or something that he's fighting Sydney outlaw. And it kind of was a, a bummer, you know, like for all of us. And, and now, uh, you know, they, they gave us Alexander Shabley and we weren't really happy with that one either. Cause we wanted at least a top five and I was begging and I was really wanting to find fight Usman, uh, uh, Nur or whatever. And I was really wanting to fight him, but they said, he's not going to be ready until the end of the summer. So, um, here I am fighting Shabley. In terms of, uh, Shabley's game, when you when you started kind of you know looking at what he does you know and I, you know and putting together a a thought process of, of how you feel the victory can come for you was there something about his abilities that stuck out to you um i mean i think everybody's going to be tough you know in the top 10 and everything and i know he's good and i i know he's dangerous but uh you know i, I saw some things and i me and my coaches have been working on some things that i think we can capitalize on and um, I'm going to go out there and, and test him. You know, I don't think he's fought anybody like me, um, recently and, and, or ever, you know, so, uh, we'll see how he, uh, how he deals with me for sure. I, you know, I, I know you, uh, you put this clip on your IG where Joe Rogan was talking about, uh, you know, your kicks and, and how that ended the fight against Chandler. Do you, do you kind of feel like that your opponents are watching that so much now that it's kind of an advantage for you because people are, are, are worried about you throwing that technique yeah for sure you know like even my training partners know about it you know like in there whenever i spar them i know they're thinking about it and so i can use that to my advantage you know and um you know i can fake that and do, do other things or i can just blast that kick and i feel so comfortable with that with that kick and i've literally have uh i'm not gonna I, I've made it work in my, in my training camp, you know, and, and I've with people that, you know, that I'm going to throw, you know, like my training partners, I, I blast them with it and make them switch stances or I've dropped people lots of times with that kick. And, um, even with shin pads on, I've made a few of my training partners legs go completely numb and they fall on the ground and they don't know what the hell's going on. And I'm like, Oh my God, are you okay? Like, I don't want you to, you to turn into channel and have dropped foot right now, you know? And like, um, but, uh, man, it's a deadly kick. And, and I feel like everybody has to respect it for sure. Like, I, I feel like, that's going to be a defining moment for you for, for a majority of your career. Do you, do you kind of feel like winning the title again will ultimately kind of uh, allow people to, to that not always be a narrative with you? Yeah, for sure. I need to get that belt back. I know I can, and I know I'm going to, and um, it, it sucks, man. Cause like after, like I've said this so many times, you know, like when I fought Chandler that first time, I literally worked that kick hundreds of kicks a day, just that kick. Cause we knew that Chandler was so heavy on that front leg and he kind of points his toe to the, the inside and it just gave me that calf, you know? And I literally kicked, uh, used, I, I practiced that kick for three months, hundreds of times a day. And, um, 
and, and nobody knew what happened besides me and my coaches. And I didn't know that. I remember I landed that kick a couple times in my coach. I heard them in the cage. He's hurt. He's hurt. Go Brent, kick him in. He's hurt. He's hurt. And I remember going after we won, I went to the back and I was so excited. I was like, man, it worked to a T our game plan. It worked so good. And I didn't, I had no idea that people thought that he just rolled his ankle. I thought, I thought everybody knew that, that that was for my kick or whatever. And it was a big bummer. And then, and then seeing, I've seen, I think like three times in the UFC where it's happened, drop foot. And they're like, call it. He, he, he got drop foot from that kick. Uh, and they call it a TKO or KO or whatever from, from that kick. And I think that I, it just would have been different if I would have got that recognition from that kick then, you know? And I think that me and Chandler's fight, it kind of set the stage for that and let people, um, educated people about that, you know, and, and, uh, it just sucks. Cause like, I feel like I didn't, didn't get any props for it when I literally practiced that damn thing every single day for a long time, you know? And, um, but, but now it's getting a lot of, uh, I think people know it now. And, and I can't remember, there's a fight just like a, a month ago or two months ago in the UFC where it happened and the guy, uh, um, got dropped foot and, and they called it and Joe Rogan's like, yep, that was from the kick. That was dropped foot. That was a good kick. And I was like, damn, man, I wish they would have done that when I fucking did it, you know, but, um, yeah, it is. But I think that everybody now is getting educated on it for sure. Do you find yourself becoming a, a, a rooting for Michael Chandler in the UFC? Because obviously the more success he has, it obviously helps how, how people view you. Do you ever think of that at all? I mean, yes and no. I, I mean, I just don't like Chandler. I do not like him at all. I think he's a, just a poor sport loser, man. Like I, after that fight, like I, uh, I kind of talked to him a little bit and, and he was just, he knows that, that, uh, that, that happened from my kick, you know, he knows it. And I do it. I remember I was in the cage and he looked at, uh, Scott Coker. He's like, yeah, I think it's broken. It's broken. He kicked me. I think it's broken. And I was like, oh yeah, that's what you get. You little turd. And then, and then after that, he was like, just totally with the narrative because everybody said that he rolled his ankle on his own. And so he just went with it, you know, even after Scott Coker went to the doctor with Chandler and said that the doctor said it was from my kicks and he totally just denied it and said that, um, he just rolled his ankle and I didn't do nothing. And he knows it was from my kicks. And he, uh, I just think that was such a, such a petty little move of him, you know? And, and, um, I think he's just a poor sport and, and how he did that. And I remember after the fight, I went to go shake his hand and I tried to talk to him and he hadn't, didn't want to have nothing to do with me and, or my, my cornermen, my coaches. And I just see him as just a, a poor sport, man. A little, a little, uh, yeah, a little bitch for sure. Do you like, is that the first time like you've had like kind of hatred for your opponent? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, uh, before that fight, he was old Brent, is a good opponent for me. He's undefeated. This is going to be a good fight. Brent's a worthy opponent. And then after I beat him, he was just, uh, just talking crap about me the whole time and saying that I did nothing. And he rolled his own ankle and all this stuff. And I just literally just lost respect for him. I was like, man, it, I, I even told him after the fight, I was like, man, I practiced that kick and, and it's obviously not the way I wanted to win. How it, how you did, how you're stumbling around like that sucked, but you're, you're going to get a rematch. We're going to fight again. And, and uh, I just, uh, man, I just, I was just super bummed how he, uh, how he portrayed the whole thing, you know, is, is not like a, he can win, he can win fights and, and but he, he when he loses, he uh, acts like a little bitch, you know, and I just uh, 
could not stand him. And I, I wanted that trilogy fight so gosh damn bad, man. And when he went to the UFC, like it broke my heart. I, I wanted that trilogy fight so bad. And, and, um, it is what it is. You know, I remember like in, in our second fight in Hawaii, we, I'm not going to like make excuses, but we clashed heads in the first round. And I did not, I don't remember anything in that whole fight, like until like the fifth round and I was in a complete fog. I don't remember one thing. It was so weird, you know? And, um, I just know I could have done better. And I, and I know, uh, I just wanted that, that fight, you know, and you never know, maybe we might fuck, fight someday, you know, but, uh, get that third fight. But, um, I would love the opportunity to fight him again for sure. Would that be something that if it never happens, like it's you know 30 years down the road that when you look back on your career, that that could be kind of be a regret that you didn't get that third fight. Hell yeah. I'm, I'm regretting right now. You know, like I see him fighting the UFC and I still see him not checking that kick and I see him vulnerable for a, a lot, you know, and um, I see, I think his chin is not really there. I, I see him get it dropped. I even dropped him in the second fight, you know, and, and, and looking at that, when I dropped him and I took his back, I, uh, I don't remember any of it. And, and I don't know why I didn't put my body triangle on him. I put my body triangle on everybody and they cannot get out. And when I get to somebody's back, you know, once I get that body triangle on somebody, they're pretty much screwed. And I, and I have no idea why I did not put my body triangle on him when I had him in our second fight in Hawaii. And, and I, uh, but I was literally in a fog. I just could not think. It was so weird. And and I rewatched the fight and I was like, what the hell were you doing, Brent? Like, I, it was embarrassing for me, you know? And I just know that if I had a third fight, I really think I can finish him. And and and, and it's kind of weird, but like, in, that, in training for that fight in Hawaii, I got headbutted really bad in my temple three weeks before we fought in Hawaii. And I got a bad concussion and I had to take a week off. And I was days, my brain was pretty messed up for like a while and i don't know if i was fully recovered but um oh man it just sucks like i don't remember anything in, in that fight in hawaii and uh i just know that i if i was there i really wanted to think i, I would have choked him out or finished him when i dropped him and uh you know watching him in the ufc i mean yeah he's doing good you know he that was an awesome knockout that he he knocked out uh Tony with or whatever, but uh, I still see holes in this game, and I don't think his chin is is, is good. You know, I think he's uh, chinny, and I think he's going to get dropped by uh, not the hardest punches, man. I don't think he can take punches anymore. You know, something you said there, and we, we were talking about being obsessed with things. Do you get obsessed when, like, you go back and you watch your fight? And you mentioned there that you're like, I don't know why I didn't do the body triangle. Is that the type of stuff after a fight that like, like, you know, they, they say like the sleepless nights that you sit back there and go, man, why didn't I do that? It's like that, that the type of stuff that you obsess about. You have no idea, man. After that Hawaii fight, I literally could not sleep. I, I told my, I probably cussed at myself every single day for months. And I, I, I didn't, I haven't even watched the whole fight. I only watched, I, I probably watched, probably 75% of the fight. And I just stopped. I could not watch it anymore. I was like, what were you doing? It wasn't me. And, uh, I was so disappointed in myself but at the same time. Like, man, the human mind, the brain is so weird when it gets rocked. Like you never know what's going to happen. And, and I remember, I just couldn't think, I don't remember anything in that Hawaii fight. And I remember after over the fifth round, I remember my coach yelling at me and I just, uh, my, my mind was not working. It was so weird, man. And, and, Gosh, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy, man. Like, I just know that that was not me. And I, 
I was so disappointed in myself. I remember I flew back from Hawaii and the same day that I landed, I was doing sprints and I was running and I was pissed off at myself. And for months I could hardly sleep. And, and I literally was like, fuck Brent. What? And like for months, you know, I was just so, so pissed off myself. And, um, man, I was like, man, there's going to be, we're going to fight again. I'm going to, I'm going to finish him out. It's going to be different. And uh, it never happened, but you know, you never know. So it, it, it makes me think about it is like, you know, do you go back? Like, do you try to put yourself in Alexander's mind and his team's mind going back and watching old fights and trying to sit there and say, okay, these are things I'm showing on film. And these are the things I've got to switch up for sure. And I hope that they watch that Chandler fight and they, they go off of that, you know, cause that was not me. And, 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 you know, people change and, and do different game plans and, and everything. And I think I'm a, a better fighter and a different fighter from then. And, um, you know, if they, if they look at my old, old fights and they go off of that, then I think that he's going to be in trouble. Cause I'm not gonna, I'm not, not like who I was then. And, and, uh, I have a totally different game plan and, and I feel like a different person. And, um, I think it's also hard to look at fighters on their fights, like years, that's happened years ago or whatever. And then going off of that, cause you know, a lot could happen since then. And, and I feel like I've, I've developed and I'm a lot better fighter since then. And I have new tricks and, and, uh, I, I feel good, man. I feel fast. I feel strong and, um, I have a good game plan and I feel like Alex hasn't fought anybody. Alexander hasn't fought anybody like me. And, um, you know, I watched his last fight with Bobby King or whatever. And I, I feel like if he plays that if he fights like he did with Bobby with me, then I think he's going to get in trouble for sure. I mean, uh, we'll end on this one. Uh, obviously we've, uh, you know, you've been in this game for a while now. What do you consider your favorite fighter of your, of your own? Oh man, that's, that's tough. That's tough. Cause man, I'm, I'm like my worst critic. I I'm always on myself. I, I feel like every, even when I do win and I do good, like I feel like I could have done better and I should have done better. And, and, um, so man, I just feel like I'm, I'm better than I, all my fights, you know, like all my past fights, I feel like I'm better than that. And I, and I know that I am and it's just, uh, it's hard, man. I don't, all of my wins and, and all of my fights, I feel like I've done things that I shouldn't have done or I, I could have done better or, or whatever. But, uh, I'm mean, that's tough. That's a tough one. You know, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like, uh, I haven't shown what I'm capable of yet. You know, I, I, I think there's a lot more in me that, that I haven't shown for sure. And we get to see you showcase those skills here. Come up here, Bellator 2A2, June the 24th, of course, later on this month. Brent, as always, man, I appreciate time. Of course, uh, let me know that you can follow you on social media. And, uh, of course, anything else you want to mention, man? Yeah, Brent Premise 155. Check me out on Instagram. And I got to thank, uh, you know, my, my management team, t- uh, and all my coaches and uh, Arena Sports Agency and, and American Top Team, Timo Yama, Performance Martial Arts, Hayabusa, Don Lewis Plumbing. Uh, yeah, man, I, I uh, you know, I wouldn't be here without my team. Like I say, man, you're, you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with. And luckily, I have an awesome team and awesome coaches that help me get ready. And uh, you'll see in June 24th, man, just in a couple of weeks, I'm going to come out. I'm going to come out hot for sure. 
And that was my conversation with Brent Premis, a guy that I've had a chance to uh, talk to for uh, several years now. I will tell you, so this goes back, man, years and years ago where uh, Bellator had asked me to start writing some pieces for Bellator.com and they wanted the pieces that basically spotlight younger up-and-coming fires and brent premise was the first fighter they asked me to write a piece on and of course brent uh, is a guy that you know obviously i think he's always going to be kind of defined and mentioned about that in the conversation about that first fight with michael chandler and um you know interesting him talk hear him talk about how he hates chandler and and the fact of you know you know he wishes and, and how he, he was heartbroken you know that the, the trilogy matchup with, with chandler most likely is never going to happen um you know i think the only way it would ever happen is if brent uh, was no longer in bellator and, and goes over to the ufc but i mean you have to imagine i mean look he you know he mentioned about uh Patricky defending the title against sydney outlaw you, you have to imagine that if if brent goes out there and, and wins here in two weeks that he should be next in line uh at 155 pounds and uh uh, you know that that would be a, an interesting fight um, for me from a stylistic aspect with Patricky Pitbull because I think he could give Patricky Pitbull a lot of fits when it comes to the grappling and the wrestling aspect of it. But uh, great conversation there with Brent Premise. Now let's get on to the final interview here on this episode of the Ameriport Podcast, and that's going to be with Mike Rodriguez. He's got a fight coming up here this week, CES MMA 69. Of course, that's a car that you can watch live on UFC Fight Pass, so I had a chance to catch up with M-Rod to talk about uh, what has been going on with him since his exit from the UFC and his matchup here on Friday night. Joining me now here on the MMA Report, man, it's back inside competition here later on this month. CES MMA 69, Mike, man, as always, man, uh, appreciate the time. Uh, of course, I guess uh, really the big, I guess the, the story that's kind of already been out there with you of, you know, it wasn't that long ago that that you thought this jer- that you were moving on to the next chapter of your your life, and you know, I was uh, I was coming into to the office, and I was just kind of thinking that line of, uh, you know, I thought I was out, but they brought me right back in. I mean, um, <laughs> but but did but did you ever say the R word? Did that did that word ever come out of your mouth? Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe I think I told some people. But like, not everybody. I was like, uh, kind of flirting on the fence. Yeah, they like playing back and forth. And, and I mean, obviously, the other big news with you is the fact of you know you, you've you've gone out to Albuquerque uh, to yeah. to be there with Jackson Wink and, and the team out there. Like, uh, what's the what's the biggest differences for you now with uh, your day to day life being in Albuquerque as opposed to being back up in the Northeast? Can't do shit, but train. <laughs> I don't do shit else but train. Ain't shit else to do but train. Like, what do you, what do, you do when you're not training? Like, do you just kind of hang out in the dorms and just kind of relax with the fellas? Yeah, just chill, kick it. It's a vibe. It's cool as shit. You just, just kick it. Like, right now, before you called me, we was just sitting there. I was playing Spider-Man. And they were just watching free playing Spider-Man. We was just kicking. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's good shit. Like, has the mindset completely changed now for you? Um... Yeah, they, um, it's like, I got like hungry again. It's weird. It was like, I was starving for a minute. I got hungry again. And so, uh, that competitive drive is back. Um, yeah, it feels good. Obviously when you, you go to a new team, you got new coaches and they're learning you, you're learning them. What's, what's kind of been the, the biggest adjustment for you with, with working with the coaches there at Jackson Wink? Um, I would say 
just adjusting to the volume of training and like the um, just a lot of little things that we work on here that they work on here and uh, it just was it was like I'm like oh I haven't thought of it that way I've been fighting for a while but like I'm like oh shit I never it's just learning all new like I just kind of erased the memory bank of anything I ever knew and just try to be a sponge and try to learn so much shit here so but yeah it's just it's pretty cool it's awesome and I know it's listening to you do with James and you were you were mentioned about some of the guys that you're working with on a day in day out basis and the thing that really stuck out to me is a lot of them are heavyweights are, are have, that's kind of always been your style to, to train with bigger guys yeah there's like I don't know like two of us two actual light heavyweights <laughs> everybody else is just massive uh, I feel like I'm like the smallest out of the clique but yeah it's it's been it's pretty cool though. It's good because it, it gets you used to moving around with bigger guys like in the fight. Because when it, you know, yeah, we weigh in at two hundred five, but when we come in to the actual fight, yeah. ain't nobody two hundred five again. <laughs> like anybody, you know what I mean? So it's like, and in in my last couple exchanges, that was one thing that was a shocking factor. Is you'll be fighting with somebody or going against somebody, and you're like, "Fuck, he's strong as shit," and uh, now it's like. All these guys are fucking massive. <laughs> so it's like whatever. Like to me, I've always like thought it would be fascinating to know what someone walks in at the cage at. You know, we all know you're going to cut weight, you're going to make weight, but it's like because there's sometimes you, you see some fires and you go, they look like two weight classes between each other because one just you know obviously puts on its own weight. Have you ever thought of like, man, I'd really love to know how much my opponent weighs right now? Yeah, I thought of that. I was like, damn, this two got to be big, and it, like you will see them. Before weigh-ins, you know, everybody's like a raisin, and then you see them blown up like a grape. You're like, God damn, this is big. Yeah, it's just, it's just, I always wonder that. I'm like, I wonder how much they weigh. But yeah. And of course, you got the fight here at CS. You went through an opponent change. Uh, now you got uh, Jeremy May here. And, and the thing that, that stuck with what you said was, you're like, hey, it's kind of that classic strike, striker versus grapple, but grappler, but he takes risk. Like how do, how do you manage that that balance of, of risk versus reward? Um, you got to play that fine line, and then by the same time, sometimes you got to throw the rice. You got to throw the dice. You know what I mean? See what number you get, and just go for it. I mean, that's just essentially what fighting is. It's just another form of gambling. Like we're fighting, to, yeah. You know, swinging our hands and whatnot. So like you, anybody get clipped, but yeah, I just. Confidence, man. Confidence is key. Just believe that you can hit that shit and you'll hit it. Like the, the, speaking about confidence, because I think that's the one thing I think the perception is for someone who's tuned in to watch any any MMA fight. Doesn't matter where it is, they they think of those fighters have to be the most confident guys in the world. But like yeah. f- fighters talk about, like that's one of the things you battle with. You know, because I mean, we all, we all have you know good days and bad days. Doesn't matter what we do. I mean, like how, how do you kind of you know, level that out of, you know, not getting too high, but also not getting too low. So before it would always, uh, it would always fuck with me. It would always be in my head. Like, damn, you know, as something that I would always battle with, but, um, I just like, you can't, you can't get rid of those, those voices. You can't, you know what I mean? They don't always be there. So just gotta work with the shit. So I shut the fuck up. Just keep going. You know what I mean? 
As soon as you hear that little bullshit voice in your head, oh, yo, you can't do this, you that, shut the fuck up. Just do your thing. Blocking out the noise is kind of... Blocking out the noise, yeah. Was that that all tough for you at one point in your career? Yeah, it was really tough. Um, Especially, like, being in the UFC and everything. I I couldn't deal with, like, the pressure. I didn't think I could. I thought, I mean, I thought I was able to. I'm like, I deal with that shit. It's no problem. But once you're, like, in the midst of it, it's, it was, like, it was tough to deal with. But uh, now it's, like, it is what it is. That's part of the game, you know? I mean, like, we, we live in the social media world and, and like, especially Instagram. And, and there's times where, you know, I'll see a, a fighter post something. And, and I look at the comments and I go, do they actually read the comments? Because, like, man, like... I, I remember I, I, I remember back in the day, uh, Bobby Lashley told me a story. He's like, you know, he's like, he goes, man, I just call them keyboard warriors. They just, they sit behind their keyboard or their phone and type whatever. And it kind of makes me think about that, that psychological thing of like, damn, do you want to read those comments? Because that, I mean, we're all human. Right. Uh, man, I always read those I, before I used to always read them and it would bother me. You know, I would read them and it would bother me. I would literally sit look at my phone and just do on the negative comments. And then, you know, after being cut and everything, and I saw, I think about it and I see my other friends who are currently still fighting and they're going through the same thing. And I was just telling them, like, man, don't read that shit. And also those pussy ass motherfuckers that's on them keyboards, none of them, none of them, none of them will step foot in the fucking gym. You know what I mean? They live vicariously through you. So don't even sweat that shit. Don't sweat the small shit. Just keep moving. So I just, after a while, I just, I just roll the shit off my shoulders. But I, yeah, I, I got friends who it fucking bothers the shit out of them, man. Yeah, no. I, there's just there's sometimes I sit there and go, God damn, you, like, you, you just you know, it, it's just one of those things. That I sit back and go, Oof, man. I, I don't. I know. I don't think I would handle that very well. Yeah, nah. At first, I thought I was gonna be able to handle it, but. Once you start going to dig for it and look for it and start searching for it, then that's when I think it will get to you, you know, because like, of course, everybody want to know who their fans are. They want to know who their fan bases are and whatnot. So they're going to go and see like, I wonder what my fans say about me or whatever the case may be. And sometimes, you know, you get get some negative Nancy's, man. Some people that's just fucking angry because they they bet their money on you. And like, like it's the dumbest shit ever. Like, motherfucker, bet your own money on you, you know. So I, it's just, it's funny. But um, I start worrying about that shit. I don't give a fuck because it's like everybody doesn't have their own opinion. Everybody think what they want to think. Like this is my life. This is where I want to live. You want to watch me do what I like to do, whether if I win, lose, or draw. If you're with me or not, come watch me. It's entertainment. It's cool. Other than that, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and, and I'm sure there's a lot of that sliding those DMs too, and probably really uh, you know, throw some stuff out there. Uh, but you know, you, you mentioned about you know Jeremy. I mean, kind of think of social media since he hasn't fought since 2019. Are you kind of are you snooping around his social media to try to see maybe uh, what he's been doing? No, no, no. I haven't even. I thought I just thought of like you know things I want to work on for the fight. And the little game plans, things of that nature, but nah, I haven't. Nah, he's doing his own thing with his life. I see him on the seventeenth. We'll, we can chop it up then. <laughs> I, because of you know his inactivity over the past couple of years, obviously you're you're at Jackson. They're they're implementing you know what, how they feel what's best for you. I mean, do you kind of think that 
there may be a little bit of a longer filling out process. Just kind of feel each other out before you kind of, you know, start, uh, you know, going in with your game plan. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, probably. Because I haven't fought. I haven't fought in seven, eight months or something like that, too. So, you know, it's been quite some time for me as well. But um, a job got to get done. We got to do shit. So it might be a little longer filling out process. It might not, you know. Any uh, anything you want to prove in this fight? Um, prove? Nah, it's just there's nothing I need to prove. I um, just want to go out there and do my thing. Like the only thing I've been thinking about is just like getting better and overcoming hurdles and things of that nature. But I, I don't have anything to prove, so I just go out there and perform, man. Do what I do. So as someone who wears prescription glasses, anytime I see a fire wearing glass at interview, the, the thought that comes to my mind is, do you wear contacts on fight night? No, 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 no. Your boys, why ain't it bad out there? <laughs> I, I remember like I had a fire. He's like, he's like, yeah, you know, he goes, my figure, the punch is like two feet away from me. So I'll be able to see it. I mean, it's always kind of, it, it makes me wonder like, you know, it, it you know, have you ever thought of maybe getting like laser um, laser surgery done? Maybe I don't know. It doesn't affect me in the ring. Like I can see Claire is fine in the cage. It's like if somebody has a "fuck you" sign on the opposite side of that fence, I'm not gonna be able to read that. <laughs> I can't read that. You know, I'm like, I don't know what it says. <laughs> but yeah, nah. I um, it's just a reading. That's it. Fighting in front of fans again. Do you think that's going to be a little uh, odd? No, 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 no. My last fight was in front of fans. It was fans. It wasn't a lot, but it was fans. Yeah. It was a set at the apex. That's when they just let the fans base, the fans in. So, uh, nah, I think uh, I'm not going to worry about that. What's been the weird, what was the weirdest part of fighting in like the either no fans or very limited amount of fans? Was there something that made it odd? Did you, did you feel like you were just having a fight in the gym? No, I didn't really think about it, honestly. Like, it, it, towards, like, the more I was, like, into the career, I realized that, like, the fans, like, they, they can't really do anything. There's nothing they can do. Like, they just out there, you know? It's like, don't focus on that. I got to focus on this. I just keep it focused on that. Um, but I don't know. Having a packed house fighting in New England again. I don't know. It might be a different vibe. Energy might be insane. The energy is going to be insane. People are going to go fucking nuts. It's big energy. Big fucking energy. <laughs> who, who, does, who designed the t-shirt? I saw that uh, on your Instagram. So uh, my buddy, my buddy Deshaun, he, uh, he was working with an artist, a Russian artist, um, and he, they, they did work before. And I saw some old work and I was like, yo, I want one of those. And it just so happened the time happened to be now. They did the shirt and um, they, they worked on it with everything. And they, they made the, they, um, they made it. But uh, I just thought it was awesome. I love it. Obviously this has been a saying for you for a while. What, what, what's the origin of big fucking energy? So origin is, so I said, I had a, uh, I had a nutritionist, Trisha, and uh, she would 
she like she you know she told me how to prep food and things of that nature. And then when I started following her meal plans, I started to have fucking insane energy for no reason. I'm like, yo, I got so much energy. I don't know what the fuck to do with it. And um, I just always be like, big fucking energy. Let's go. <laughs> fuck yeah. You know, I just always kept that. And so it just started snowballing, going and going and going. But yeah, it's been it's been pretty dope. Of course, everyone can go to your IG to, to buy those T-shirts. Of course, we look forward to seeing this fight here at CES MMA. Uh, of course, let everyone know they can follow you on social media and anything else you want to mention, Mike. Uh, you can follow me at Emerald MMA on Instagram, on Twitter. And uh, I want to give a shout out to all my teammates, Dante Mays, uh, Davion Franklin, he's in Bellator, Christian Edwards, uh, Juan Adams, Maurice Green, uh, my man Akuma, my boy Romo. The GOAT, John Jones, Six Gun, he helped a lot out. Um, you know, Jackson, Greg Jackson, uh, Wink, everybody that's been helping me here. My man Tennyson, I can't forget about my guy. Uh, Joey, like the list goes on. I could keep going on and on. The orthopedic people, they held it down too. Um, and I got people back home supporting me and love me as well. Uh, uh, Bob Heat and uh, Driveway by Heat, they looked out for me. Thank you very much. And uh, my homegirl, TK, you know, everybody's been holding it down. I, it's, I'm blessed, man. I'm glad to have all these people around me. And that was my conversation there with Mike Rodriguez. Appreciate him taking some time out of his day to talk to me as uh, he, of course, living there in the dorms now at Jackson Week and kind of a funny conversation talking about whether or, whether or not he ever said the R word and, of course, that being retired. And, of course, uh, you know, talk about some of the changes there. Now training there at Jackson Week. Interested to see what he does look like. And you got to imagine because, you know, of the depth at, at 205 pounds, if Mike Rodriguez can put together two, three wins could be a guy that we ultimately see back inside uh, the UFC. And also could be a guy that, you know, maybe if you're, if you're in a Mike Rodriguez position, maybe you're looking at trying to get into the PFL come, uh, you know, 2023 as of course uh, the PFL they're back this week. That's also something to kind of note. Uh, They'll be back in our lives uh, come up here on, I want to say it's Friday night that they've got their card. Of course, they'll be uh, there in Atlanta uh, to start off the, uh, the continuation of this season of the PFL. And, uh, you know, I'll be, uh, you know, I'll probably be checking that out on Friday night. You know, it's uh PFL is one of those, you know, it's, of course it's got Clay Collard is going to be headlining this one. Uh, let's see a later card here. Uh, prelims 7 PM. Eastern time main car will be at 10 PM. Eastern time. You got the lightweights, and light heavyweights, uh, a part of this one. And of course, uh, I will tell you that, uh, I am looking forward and looking ahead to that matchup. They've got with Kayla Harrison and Julia, Bud. how does Kayla Harrison, uh, handle that situation? But of course, I appreciate everyone taking time out of your day to download and listen to this episode of podcast. Next episode of podcast. Look for that to drop on Thursday evening as, uh, I'm actually taking the next couple of days. I'm out working, working today, working tomorrow, but, uh, taking Tuesday and Wednesday off. And so myself and Daniel will record the podcast there on Thursday. I'm sure we'll probably uh, a lot of the conversation will probably be about what happened at UFC 275, but also we'll, we'll start to get you ready for what's coming up this weekend in terms of MMA. Of course, I mentioned about, you know, you look over and fight pass. You got that CES car. But uh, also you got uh, Calvin Cater, Josh Emmett. That fight is on Saturday, man. I absolutely love that matchup. I, I think that is that is banger. Written all over it. Co-main event, Donald Cerrone 
Joe's own. Uh, Kevin Holland is on the card. He's taking on Tim Means. Joaquin Buckley, he is on the card as well. Uh, Julian Marquez, a guy I've had a chance to talk to on a couple occasions. He is on this fight card as well. Also, uh, some names that will definitely stick out to you. Adrian Yanez. He's on the preliminary card, taking on Tony Kelly. Uh, Cody Stamen, also, uh, he is on this card. He's taking on Eddie Wineland. Obviously, a pill matchup there for Cody. That's the guy that I've had a chance to talk to countless times over the years. Um, you know, and, and we'll see. You know, obviously, I think he, he's in a, in a must-win situation in, in terms of that one. But that's going to do it for this edition of the MMA Report Podcast. Of course, a great way show your support for the podcast rating review that helps me out so much if you can subscribe to the MMA report on youtube i would appreciate that as well hit that notification bell what i'm trying to do is trying to put a, a new piece of content up every day uh you know some days that, that may not happen but be sure to check out that over there at the MMA report of course you missed last week's sunday podcast had danny sabotello and Vanessa Demopoulos on both those interviews are available on video form on the MMA Report YouTube channel. So let's go wrap it up for this edition of the MMA Report podcast, which comes out two times a week. Uh, on Sunday is the interview edition, and then the midweek version is myself and Daniel talking everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts. 